everybody. This is a little spooky. Hello. A podcast about things that spook us a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies. Or when you're sleeping in your bed at night, and you see a little ghostly figure in the corner, and you say, what do you want? And then the ghost steps forward and says, wouldn't you like to know? And then, <laughs> and then you say, well, I would like to know. And then the ghost says, get a life. And then you realize you're dead the whole time. What? My name is Everett. And I'm Colleen. <laughs> you like my little short story? Yeah, that was hor- <laughs> It was horrifying. It was on the edge of my seat the whole time. A little spooky, maybe? It was a wee bit spooky. Good, good. Well, this is part two mm-hmm. of our previous episode. And do you think this is going to be as long as the last one, Colleen? I, yes, okay. I do. Let's just jump into it then. All right. So here's, we left off last time. We had visits from aliens. We had an exorcism. There was a levitating wife who got sucked into a UFO, almost. Um, she was, like, magnetically pulled across yes. the house, basically. There was just general paranormal tomfoolery that our hero, John Edmonds, and his wife <laughs> were facing. Is he a hero? What heroic act did he Well, he wrote this book, so in the book, he's the hero. Okay. I will say, like, you think to yourself after that, what else could possibly happen to this man and his wife? Like, what more is there? And let me tell you, there's fucking more. Okay. Now, I will say, I don't find the second half of his book to be particularly convincing. But I'm going to leave that up to you, dear listener. Okay. To determine... Whether or not you think that maybe he's just gone a little too far in his story. Or maybe it is real and they went this far to make us feel like it's not real. Hmm? I feel like he's so committed to the house that you have to believe him. Yeah. You have to believe what he says. You can't question it. Exactly. Well, if you read the book, he basically says that to you. Don't question it. Okay. (laughs) So let's just get into it. The next weird occurrence on Stardust Ranch is the discovery of a crop circle. <laughs> that seems a little tame. I know, right? Compared <laughs> to the rest. But we're starting. This is this is half two of the story. Okay. So John works on this ranch. He spends all of his time running it. He doesn't leave for work like his wife does. He's basically on the ranch 24-7. He goes into town to like Probably write his alien blog posts mm-hmm. <laughs> and buy hay. And or make something. people listen to his stories. Right. But he spends a lot of time out in the desert just walking around his property. He says it's like relaxing for him. He likes to, to see the desert and just survey the land that he knows he owns. It's almost like he has nothing better to do. Kind of. Well, one day on one of these walks, these gallivants, these daily jaunts, he comes to a stop at a hill. And as he looks down, so he's at the top of the hill, he's looking down, Mm -hmm. and there is a 200-yard, completely bald circle of desert. Okay, now I hear what you're thinking, that there is not much that grows in the desert already. Wouldn't it already be bald? Right. But... I mean, the deserts around Arizona are not just like piles of sand like you would imagine, like like an Arabian desert. Yeah, it's not like going on a Star Wars desert planet. Right. We're talking there's like cacti, there's scrub brush and rocks. I still imagine it's very sparse. (laughs) It is. It's, It's dry and sparse, but this was a clear enough, completely flat empty circle that he made a note of it so of course john wants to go check it out he walks down the hill and he notices that within the bald circle was a second circle (laughs) made entirely out of shoes hundreds of pairs of shoes that were organized into men's shoes 
women's shoes, children's shoes, and miscellaneous shoes. <laughs> so like puppy shoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so all of them were in pairs and they all had the toes pointed towards the center of the circle. Weird. Right. I'm weirded out that he wouldn't notice that there were shoes in the middle of a bald spot in the desert from the top of the hill, but maybe the well, hill was taller than I was envisioning. Well, and also, I mean, 200 yards is a fair size. Like, depends on how big the circle in the middle is, I guess. True. But. Valid point. He doesn't specify. So at this point, he's like, I got to get my camera. He, at this point, has experienced so much shit that he's kind of started filming stuff. He like uploaded these videos for people to see. Now that I don't know. That's another question that I have. We will get to that. But he says, I got to go get my camera. So he walks back to his truck, which is all the way up on the other side of the hill. Yeah. He gets his camera. He goes back. He sets it up on a tripod and he starts filming this circle. And this is still pre like digital cameras, I'm assuming. Yeah, like, we're talking mid 90s. Okay. Yeah. And as he's filming, he feels the hair on the back of his arms stand up. The like, hair on his chinny chin chin. <laughs> he says he feels like someone is watching him. So he turns around and directly behind him is a giant black triangular ship the size of an entire football field. And it was only about 100 feet away from him, hovering about 100 feet off the ground. Cool. So like he had, it's literally where he was just walking. So it silently just like appeared behind him while and he was turned around. It's been creeping up this whole time, just like behind him. Like, or like it like moves him. so fast and so silently. Mm. Either way, um, he passes out. He wakes up 55 minutes later in the same spot, completely sunburned and dehydrated. His camera was running the whole time. So that's how he knows it was 55 minutes. Okay. But conveniently, the camera was pointed at the circle, not the ship that happened to be behind him. So it didn't catch anything. Well, but I mean, that would still make sense, though, because that's what he was doing anyway. He probably pointed the right. camera at the circle. Yes, then, exactly. Yeah. But we don't have evidence of him passing out or of the ship. We just have like 55 minutes of bald circle with shoe in it. And he definitely didn't get distracted by a cactus that he just had to look at for a little while. <laughs> right. After this bizarre occurrence, that really, in terms of bizarre occurrences, is not that bizarre on his level. It's still really weird. It is very though. odd, yes. So his wife at this point has stopped levitating at night. <laughs> so that's <laughs> good. for good. her. He gets busy with his ranch work, and one day he notices... The Michelin man is walking around on his property. <laughs> <laughs> like Almost like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow. That's how he describes it. It's a 10 to 12 foot tall Michelin man, kind of like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow, white, yeah, puffy dude. White, puffy, like layers and rolls. And it had an awkward gait and it was just bumbling around his property. And at first, John's like... <sighs> There's, <laughs> there's just, no way he's just like fucking another like at this point nothing like surprises him so he sees it he just like lets it do its thing what's he supposed to do to the michelin man <laughs> so he lets it do his thing and he sees it all the time just all over his property day by day until one time it came too close to his house for comfort so he took his AK-47 and a banana clip and just unleashed a rain of bullets on it. And it just bounced off? Yeah, he managed to see it up close. And he said that its skin had the texture of, like, Brillo pads. Like, spongy spiky? Yeah, like, coarse, like, sandpaper. Right. Either way, the bullets didn't do anything, and it kept just, like, doop, 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 and the Michelin Man, like, lumbered by. Okay. And he says that even to this day, he still sees it hanging around periodically on his, on his ranch. Okay. <laughs> I want to see this. <laughs> I mean, now it's 2022. You got to have a smartphone and take a video of it, my guy. All I'm saying, though, is if he's saying this Stay Puffed Man is there at the ranch to this day, even if this book was written a couple years ago. 
why aren't you taking videos? Right. You have your phone well, in your pocket. Well, maybe he has. We just, he just didn't write about it. <laughs> or maybe he sees it so often, he's like, eh, another day, another dollar. John, I know you're listening because <laughs> I know you just Google Stardust Ranch all the time. Please send send us a video. <laughs> I would love to see one. Over time, he's still doing research about paranormal stuff, research about the ranch, and he becomes moderately well-known in UFO circles. Okay. And he's posting his story as many places as he can. So, um, like, MUFON, Mutual UFO Network websites, blog posts. He's talking to experts. He's answering emails and questions. And people become fascinated with his story. And, I mean, if you're into UFOs, his story is the perfect story because he's a firsthand witness who still has access to the property and is continuing to see paranormal activity on a daily basis. Sure, okay. And not only that, the property he's on is located in an area where paranormal activity has been written about since, like, the dawn of time. Now, John mm-hmm. is... Not an expert on indigenous religions or history. So I'm not going to get too deep into his personal explanations for why he thinks the desert in Arizona is a UFO hotspot. And he makes a lot of generalizations about indigenous people, specifically the Anasazi or Hopi Nations, But he mentions that there are sites in the desert that have been seen as holy places to these indigenous people that originally inhabited this desert. Okay. And he spoke about how certain indigenous religions don't talk about evolution, but rather humans being put on Earth. Okay. Again, it felt like he was manipulating a religion he doesn't know about in order to fit his story so I don't feel comfortable really getting into those details. Um, it's definitely something that is like talked about on like the history channel, ancient aliens type stuff. Yes. And that's why I thought I would mention it because I just want to make the point that there are many people who draw parallels between the indigenous people and religion of the area and aliens. Sure. <laughs> like, Like you can... You know, yeah, I don't know enough about like Southwestern culture to say anything. All right. I know is like, if you're interested, look it up yourself. I yeah, guess. I just I don't I don't know enough about it. It wasn't it's not too pertinent to the story other than he, he is he of the belief it's that it's been around for centuries and centuries. Yes, he thinks that like he uses their religion to justify what he has seen, which it could be possible. Yes. And if you are. A Hopi member of one of these nations or, or, or Anasazi. Anasazi or, you know, knowledgeable about these kinds of religions in general. I would love to hear if you agree that there are parallels between alien activity. And or, or if you disagree and just want to completely say this guy's an asshole. You yeah, can tell totally. us that love too. to hear your, your <laughs> thoughts. Either way, skipping over the religion part, it's true that this area for a long, long time has been a hotbed of UFO and alien activity. So the fact that he's living in a known paranormal area and he can give firsthand accounts of this weirdness makes people really interested in his story and him in particular. Sure. So much so that he starts getting phone calls from all over the world. There are psychics calling him and telling him that he lives in a portal that's thousands of years old. He lives in a dimensional time loop. He lives in a doorway between time and dimensions. He's getting these phone calls all the time from people who have never met him or been on the ranch. Sure. Now, when your UFO story gets out, the UFO community is not the only ones who hear it. Just imagine a radio talk show host calling in to prank call this guy. <laughs> I'm talking about the government. Oh, I mean, yeah, them too. <laughs> <laughs> so one day he was out in his yard cleaning all of his guns. He's got a lot of guns. He says this was a relaxing activity for him. It like took a whole day because he had to take them apart and do the gun cleanery. I've never cleaned a gun. Just like cleaning any other piece of machinery, really. Right. Well, he had a neighbor who would come over and help him out with 
cleaning his guns. I think he wanted to like get a gun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was interested in them or wanted to like talk to John. I don't know. Um, but he would help him out with cleaning his guns. And suddenly, as he and his neighbor were like in the yard scrubbing their guns, <laughs> okay, a yep. black SUV with black government plates pulls up to them directly onto his property. And two men in black suits, black sunglasses, and black fedoras got out and walked over to them. Fedoras. You know these? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, men in black. That's right. Will Smith and the other guy. <laughs> yes, but these men in black had extremely pale skin, which I think is like yeah. a trope for the men in black. They're like... Some, like they, some people think they're aliens themselves. Yes, like, so they're some very people unnatural. think they're a government agency other people think they're aliens themselves or maybe they're both who knows but he said they have extremely pale skin like quote unquote uncooked chicken <laughs> so they had to walk up the driveway a little bit and past a cattle gate to get to john and the neighbor most polite people would like wait at the gate and be like hey let us in you know like hey we have to talk to you and then wait for the owner of the property to go to the gate and talk to you. But no. Did they just kick it open? The, yeah, they barged through the gate. But they didn't break the gate. It was like the gate was made of smoke. And they just went through it. Okay. So this was seen by his neighbor as well. People around the world did believe that there was some freaky shit going on in John's property. But this was the first time a third party saw something on his property that wasn't just lights in the sky. And that wasn't his wife. Right, his wife doesn't count. So John and his neighbor are understandably freaked out, but, like, what are you supposed to do? These guys just, like, phased? They yeah, phased, phased through a gate. So John was like, hey, hey, um, can I help you with something? And one of the men walked up extremely close to him and put his face like 12 inches away from John's face. COVID. And Six he said, feet. you are John Edmonds and you are going to stop publishing articles on this website. Which website? It was CAUS website. CAUS was a UFO network that he would like post articles and stories on. Okay. John was like, wait, what? And the guy was like, you are John Edmonds and you are going to stop publishing articles on this CAUS website. And he said the exact same thing in the exact same tone of voice. John says that it sounded like what he said was recorded. And he just hit yeah. play to say the same thing a second time. So kind of a weird uh, sidebar. Men in Black show up in uh, the story of the Mothman. Mm -hmm. And they said the same thing in that story where it's almost like their voices were pre-recorded yeah. and if needed were put on loop to yeah. get a message across. Yeah, I think that's a common trope for Men in Black. I don't know, trope is the right word. Trope, just common, common uh, attribute. Yeah. After he said it the second time, the two dudes turned around, walked away through the gate, back to their car and just drove away. It's a lot of effort. That's what I that. thought. Like, it wasn't even a threat. So I mean, you can send a letter in the mail and just label it from, you know, the FBI or whatever. Yeah, from Men in Black. I mean, it's scary that two strange dudes in suits would randomly show up, know your name, and say weird things to you. But, like, again, they didn't threaten him. They were just like, you will stop. It would be like if I went up to you and I was like, you are Everett and you are going to stop eating beef jerky. It doesn't I mean, mean anything. It, it doesn't mean anything, but it means more if you phase through a wall or phase through a gate right before you say that. Valid point, yes. But, like, what is the consequence? Like, what is, what's going to happen if he keeps writing on these websites? They didn't say. That's true. They, he doesn't even know if they have the power to stop him in any way. But they have power. That's Clearly. for sure. Right. I just, why would you not outline the consequence in your initial threat? If, if you they wanted forgot it to, to record that It just part. seems kind of, I don't know, man. Now, after he's recounting this story in the book, he goes on to talk about how the government is keeping certain organizations secret and the way they go about discrediting the idea of the men in black is through things like movies. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you think of men in black, the first thing that comes to your mind 
Will Smith. Oh, I think of the theme song. Yeah. Wow. It's a pretty ballin' theme song. But you don't think of like the quote unquote real men in black. You're yeah, no. I instantly think of the movie. When I'm sure most people that are even aware of the men in black, I'd say ninety percent of those people don't even know what the real men in black are. Well, John is is convinced that this was a setup by the government. Like Men in Black, the movie was created exclusively to cover up the the concept the concept of, of Men in Black. Sure. His exact quote is quote. If the average person truly understood the level of mind control going on in first world countries, and especially in the United States, there would be a bloody revolution in the streets tomorrow. Which, when you think about it, that is kind of a devious way to hide something out in the open. Like, to trivialize, trivialize it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? I, I do have to say, John's quote there is, I, I wish it were real. You wish there was a bloody revolution yeah. in the streets? I'm just thinking of like the whistleblowers like Snowden and what's his name? What's his nuts? Other guy. Other guy. That Yeah, whatever. They they said all of this, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not about the men in black. No, but just like they were, you know, telling the, the truth about like the conspiracy c- and the control that the government truly has. And no one really cared and actually hated them for it. Right. So, or do they actually hate him for it? Or was that just a media campaign to make us believe that everybody else hated him for it when really everybody believed him? I also agree with that, too. But it doesn't matter because in in actual working practice, half of the population hates them at one time yeah. for political reasons. And then when parties shift, the other half hates for different reasons. But whatever. I hate it. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. So the second half of the book focuses less on events that happen and more on his theories of what might be happening and why all this weird shit might be happening to him. So his explanation for all of this is that there's a dimension directly next to ours, which you mentioned in our last episode. Mm -hmm. So he says things in that dimension can see and experience what's happening here in this dimension, but we don't have the senses to experience their dimension. So essentially, it's like our fourth dimension episode. Yeah, yeah. so I was just going to say, and for anyone that didn't listen, I'll just very briefly summarize it quick. Imagine a piece of paper, you draw a line on it, that line is alive. They can witness anything on that plane, 2D plane of existence, but they can't witness anything around that 2D plane because they just don't have the capacity to do that. So just imagine that on the next level, our third dimension, everything we can view, hear, smell, taste is within our own plane of existence, but it's completely surrounded by a fourth dimension made up of an infinite amount of third dimensions mm-hmm. or third dimensional space, I should say. Well, he doesn't go that far into detail in terms well, of like third right. dimensional space. He just says, he kind of describes it, and this isn't his words, this is kind of how I interpreted what he was writing. It seems to me like he views it as like a world outside of our world. That they can look into, but we can't see out of. I mean, in like layman's terms, that is kind of the same thing. Like sure. anyone in the fourth dimension can witness anything and everything in the third dimension. Sure. Because they're completely surrounding it spatially. Sure. But we can't see anything in the fourth dimension. So the idea is that these fourth dimensional beings are interacting with us specifically mm-hmm. in that in Stardust Ranch. There's some sort of portal that allows them to interact with us. He loses me at this point because he talks about his belief that there is a creator and an afterlife. So he's he has that kind of religious setup. That's a little more new age mystic. Right. But the, here's what's interesting. He writes that he believes that some people die, but they don't move to a better place. They just leave their bodies and then these like disembodied humans can move to that alien dimension. Well, right. That's what I mean. It's like a more like the afterlife is just moving to a different dimension. Right. But my question for him is why would that only happen to a few and not all? Because he has a belief that people do die and move to an afterlife, like a better place. And then others move to this specific alien dimension. Mm, so that it's interesting to me. 
Then he gets into some bizarre theories about humans are the top of the visible food chain, but dimensional beings have the power to consume our energies. Yeah. Um, he says people with schizophrenia might not be mentally ill, but they're open to dimensional beings communicating with them or co-inhabiting their bodies. See, this is where he gets into it's a some slippery slope. Yes. This is where he gets into some stuff that I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, it's not fitting together. You're taking a bunch of different ideas and cramming them all together. Yeah. Well, it's like the same argument, like pets and like small children are more susceptible to like ghost and spirit activity right. because they're like, you know, for your energies aren't closed right. off or, or like, something. you know, there's a million different reasons people say that's the, that. Right. That's the case. Like, I don't know. It's, I guess it's just the same type of argument. Right. And it, you would think it'd be the other way around. It's like since because adults are more intelligent than most animals and children, that yeah. they'd be more aware. Or maybe adults aren't aware because they expect certain things they're told to expect certain things and so that's what they see i don't know right but what basically what he's saying though is schizophrenia and maybe other. some other illnesses yeah. are actually people that are more psychically linked to yeah. other dimensions and if which that's is the kind case i don't thing to say honestly. i don't think he studied schizophrenia or mental illness even slightly because I don't think you would come to that conclusion. That, that's <laughs> if you something, had schizophrenia. It's something that someone who has schizophrenia would say to explain how they're feeling, but really they're ill. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I can't speak to that. But everything he says in this portion of the book, it's all speculation based on like his personal alien observations and then the research he's done from other pseudoscientists there's no set concrete field of study that you can say yes there is a fourth dimension so all of his right. ideas are based off of ideas of other people that have not been verified so it's kind of like a snowball effect well and this is also in the mid 90s still so well i mean of course this is up until he wrote the book too so i'm sure he's done a lot of his own research since yes. then yeah but um i i would say and of course everything is theoretical but in the last decade or so there's been a lot more study into spatial dimensions mm -hmm. so I don't, know. I don't know he believes that these aliens or other dimensional beings are like affecting his mood and have the power to manipulate the energies around him to be mad mm -hmm. um he also makes a point to explain in no uncertain terms that he does not believe in climate change that's completely unrelated. I don't know why it was in the book, but still, he wants you to know it. Okay. He also goes on a tirade about the Green New Deal and how electric cars actually pollute more than regular cars. I'm just going to point out again, this man is not a scientist. That has also nothing to do with the aliens. Absolutely Or the ghosts nothing. or whatever this is. No, see, now, this is why the second half of the book really threw me off, is because now he's trying to, like, push his agenda onto you rather than telling you the story objectively. But even if that is the case, like, it still is completely irrelevant. Like, unless he somehow ties right. it in. Does no, he? not, I, if he, if there was a relevant reason, I don't remember it. I, okay. I wrote all of these notes down as I was reading the book. Okay, well, he... Even if he did try to make a point to tie it in, he didn't do it well. Right. Okay. Sorry, so, John. Yeah. He explains that all of this weirdness is his new normal and that even though all of this weird shit has happened to him, he felt like he kind of reached a truce with these aliens or other dimensional beings. Um, it's like a symbiotic Yeah, they just kind of exist alongside each other. They're okay. still annoying and stuff, but, you know, they haven't... They're not... Like abducting him anymore right. or his wife. Until he goes outside and finds out that his favorite horse has been absolutely eviscerated. Truce over. <laughs> I I imagine if if this if we're to accept that these are fourth dimensional beings that are doing this, I like to imagine it's a child fourth dimensional being. It's like our equivalent <laughs> of like a kid using a magnifying glass to kill ants, like just some stupid yeah. shitty kid. It's like, 
hey, there's a horse there. Let's blow it up. Like, <laughs> it's just the same thing, I think. This is where he gets back to the story, and this is where it gets metal. Ready? I mean, it can't get much more metal you, than eviscerating a when horse. When I'm done reading these next couple sentences, you're going to say, I was wrong. This is even more metal now. Ready? Is there metal involved? Peripherally, yeah. He gives us a theory dump. Now he's like, back to me. <laughs> he's driving in town behind a pickup truck, and that truck hit a bump in the road, and something fell out of the back of that truck. And John stopped his truck and got out and picked it up, and it was a samurai sword. <laughs> so John tried to, like, chase after the truck to return it, but he couldn't catch up or get the license plate, so now he has a sword. That's not a good idea, John. But it's metal, though. It is. It totally it is took this story up a metal. notch. It's literally <laughs> metal, yes. Okay. So he takes this sword and he puts it under his bed where he used to keep the baseball bat. Because if you have a sword, why would you need a baseball bat? <sighs> now, he's been on edge ever since this horse mutilation. He's pissed. Like John Wick style pissed. I guess. Yeah. Constant vigilance. He's got his eye. He's like a he's like a chameleon. His eyes are in two different places at all times. Okay. <laughs> he explains that ever since he's seen the first gray aliens by their bedside, as I explained in the first episode, mm -hmm. the aliens have been a lot less careful about showing up. He describes them showing up as though they're like peeking into our dimension. Like, you can only see their heads, but not their bodies. Like, it's like they're turning their head to look around a corner. And right. you can see the head, but not the body. And, and again, we talked about that a lot in our fourth dimensional episode. But it's like, if you were to stick your finger through that piece of paper, you see the cross section if you're living on that two dimensional exactly. plane, but not the rest of the being. Right. So it's Ex kind of the same thing. Uh-huh. So they'll they'll peek their heads into the dimension, and if they, like, look their beady eyes around and think the coast is clear and then they'll step all the way through yuck and he says that before they fully step into this dimension there's like a pressure change feeling like it's a subtle change where you can feel them coming into this dimension <laughs> and he views this sword as an act of provenance <laughs> this was his sign that he is fucking going to war so one day he's watching TV and he sees these little gray heads poking out of the air in, into his house. Sure. The aliens are they're just looking around. He thought that they could read his mind. So as he's watching TV, he's thinking to himself like, do, 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 do. This TV show is interesting. But he changed the channel to seem all nonchalant. And I mean, I guess the aliens are just checking to see that the coast is clear. He's pretending he can't see them, so he slowly walks into the bedroom, and he's like, what, me? I'm alone, walking alone in my house, all alone. Just me doing normal alone stuff. Nothing weird going on around these parts. Playing it cool. And then he grabs the sword, hides it behind his back, and, like, meanders back to the sofa. Just going back to watch my show. Changes the channel again. Nothing pointy coming out of my back. Nope, just hanging out. The aliens at this point were like, he didn't see us. It's cool. So they phase into the room. At this point, John grabs the samurai sword, unsheaths it, and decapitates one of them. <laughs> Apparently, after this, the other two were like, well... Um, guess we should phase out of here. And they just immediately dematerialized and e left. Even the decapitated one? Well, apparently they don't return to their home dimension when they're decapitated. <laughs> so they're like zombies. You can't kill them unless you cut off their heads. Because remember, he's shot them in the past. Yeah. And it's just been like, oh, you shot me. But this time he actually killed it. And you know what? Let's bring this back to that weird man with a machete when he mm -hmm. first moved into the ranch. He should have taken that as a sign that probably only a machete is going to kill these bad boys. 
or like a blade. So let's let's bring a full circle here. Okay. Or not not full circle, but let's just recap. Okay. Ghostly activity. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist-ish activity. Mm-hmm. Aliens. Mm-hmm. Fourth dimensional beings. Mm-hmm. Now zombies. Yeah, zombie aliens. Right. Well, here's the thing. There's two pieces of this body now. Yeah. There's the head. And the rest. And the bod. So he takes these two body pieces and just puts them in a meat freezer. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. What would make more sense is if he took a picture of this, um, but he didn't. He does provide a picture of the samurai sword (laughs) and some blood next to it. Oh, okay. Apparently, after this... Joyce comes home and she's like, hey, so, like, what's the deal with all this blood in in our living room? Like, something happened? Hey, babe, something happened? And he's like, killed an alien in our freezer. (laughs) She's like, okay. So they keep the alien in their freezer for a long time while they decide what to do with it. Apparently... (laughs) Apparently, John was worried about the legal ramifications of killing an alien and was like, I'm just going to sleep on this. I mean, leave them in my freezer. If to believe a lot of the theories out there, we, the government is in cahoots with aliens. So, right. But if can you really be blamed if you are completely unaware of them? Do you know what I mean? Aliens don't operate by the U.S. Constitution. Valid point. True, true, true. He was also afraid of, more logically to me, being silenced by the government. Yes. Yeah, why didn't he take a picture then on just analog, or not right? analog, but film? Like print out a picture. Yeah. Pfft, I don't know. But eventually he contacts a scientist named Levin Good, who requests tissue samples and body parts. So John literally just wraps them up and FedExes them over to this guy oh to God. be studied. If <laughs> I would hand deliver it, first of all. But nope. I don't know if they have scanners yet in like these, you know, mail centers like they do now post 9-11. I, but they got to see the alien head, man. I, I don't know. Well, he only sent samples. So I don't necessarily. Maybe it was just like little strips of okay. alien he jerky. Cut off some finger uh, gunk. Yeah, I don't know. But they eventually do receive some information about these samples from Dr. Levengood. Specifically, the report said, quote, blood samples appear to be pure hemoglobin like that found at the cattle mutilation sites with what appears to be segment rods in the blood. Never seen anything like it. Skin looks like segmented grass, except it's not grass. End quote. Very scientific. Yeah. Apparently, the samples contain segmented fibers that weren't cloth, and blood doesn't have those fibers, usually. When they say segmented. In addition, normal blood has positive or negative antibodies, but these samples had something totally different. He doesn't explain what, but it's different. The cell parts looked like grass, but obviously were not grass. He did not send out any of the remaining tissue for DNA testing because he didn't have enough material and it was too expensive. However, Dr. Levengood told him, you have the smoking gun. This is proof of alien life visiting Earth and links the phenomenon together positively. One thing that John does admit in the book is that we should have more questions about why he didn't send samples to more than one scientist why he didn't call the newspapers, why he didn't take pictures. He's like, of course you would have that question. Who wouldn't be questioning that? And all he says in response to that is, quote, exopolitics is one of the most surveilled, controlled, and feared groups on the planet. And that's not an answer. (laughs) Not an answer at all. No. um... He says people in the UFO world have been murdered or silenced with threats. So if you believe that, that's why he kept it on the DL. I, I can I can accept that as an answer, but that still doesn't explain why he didn't take pictures and keep them close to the chest. Or right. if he's willing to reach out to one doctor, why not reach out to two doctors for a second opinion? And also, 
they shouldn't, or you said scientists, mm-hmm. doctors. Um, well, one was a do- Dr. Levingood. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. I'm sure he's <laughs> real. <laughs> um, what happened to the body? That's what I want to know. That's it. He doesn't go further into that. But <sighs> there will be more. Let, let me, you'll okay. see. Okay. Okay. Right. So weird stuff continues to happen, including they mysteriously get shot at on their property. They don't see who shoots at them or anything. There's just the like neighbor. He bullets. took his guns. Maybe. <laughs> There's just general weirdness until one day, and this name might sound familiar to you. Robert Bigelow called him up mm. and was interested in buying Stardust Ranch. Now, please enlighten us. Who I is hope, Robert I Bigelow? I hope I'm correct when I say this because I, I think I am. He is the man that bought Skinwalker Ranch yes. and hired uh, Nids to yep. do the research on it. Exactly. Or not hired Nids. I think he was like also the owner of sure. Nids. Well, Robert Bigelow sends a team of people to investigate Stardust Ranch because he wants to see if the paranormal stuff is true. And mm-hmm. if it's true, he wants to purchase Stardust Ranch. Sure. The first group of people... All drove over from Las Vegas, but all of their cars mysteriously died at the same spot before they could get to the Stardust Ranch. Mm. So they had to reschedule. One week later, a team does finally show up. They record interviews. They do lie detector tests. They make him reenact how he killed the alien. (laughs) They took pictures. They used electric instruments and they took swabs of the blood that they found on the walls. It's important to note that John, at this point, has killed several of these aliens. What? Some of them with his sword. Others he <laughs> others he killed by grabbing them by the ankles and swinging them against the walls until their heads bashed in. Like a chicken? Yes, exactly. However, he didn't have any of the bodies. Apparently, they kept disappearing out of his freezer. Who'd have thought? So are we to believe that the the bodies just eventually phase back into the other dimension or are other aliens coming and confiscating the bodies? He does not mention either of those theories, but either of them are both plausible. I There's a lot that I have questions about, of course, but I want to just say this too. If, if these are fourth dimensional beings, do you think that they have the actual ability to phase into a lower dimension. Because if you think of it on our end, we can't phase into a second dimension. We right. can only pass through it. But we can draw things or we can construct create. things. Yep. So are these aliens actually the fourth dimensional beings or are they like avatars or proxies? You know what I'm saying? Yes, though? I do. And I, I, I mean, I, with that choice presented to me, I would say they're more likely proxies. Because because how could how could something that we can't even imagine spatially fit into a third dimension? Right. And I, I don't know. The way he's describing dimensions is more of like world. Yeah, it's it's like, Less like of a, a parallel universe yes, type thing. More of a parallel universe, more of just like an invisible world that surrounds our world. Sure. So um I don't think he's necessarily getting into the nitty-gritty of dimensions as we did in our fourth dimensional episode. Sure. Okay. Back to Robert Bigelow. A week after his team does all of these tests, Bob Bigelow called up John Edmonds and he sent him an offer. He was like, I believe this paranormal activity's happened. I want to buy it. But the offer was half of what he originally proposed low, before he sent he's these low tests. Him. Exactly. One sentence of note in this book is quote, Bob Bigelow is a scumbag. <laughs> End quote. I mean, he probably is, but I mean, at the same time, like, so are you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, apparently he calls John up every so often, like even now, and offers just a way too low price. (laughs) Just to add insult to injury. It's just, it's interesting. John Edmonds is like, Bob Bigelow's a douchebag. But in the Skinwalker Ranch episode, it's like Bob Bigelow turned it around. And did, like believed it and did all of these tests and he's spending his money the way it should be spent. But in this, in this story, he's the villain. And in that story, he's the hero. I mean, I wouldn't say he's the hero. He was just the financier. 
True. <laughs> right. Well, money talks. Yeah. Fast forward to 2011. John gets a call from a lady named Dr. Howe, who said she was paid by a woman named Cynthia Crawford to study Stardust Ranch. Dr. Howe was a new agey, spiritualist kind of psychic lady. Okay. At this point in the book, he talks about how Nazis had extraterrestrial help to create their uni- own UFOs and it's hard to follow. Nazis didn't lose the war. They're still alive. All the remaining Nazis after the war were like plants. Anyway, well, I mean, they did lose the war. It's just I guess you can believe that they're still around, maybe. But they, well, they surrendered. So they lost. The reason he brings this up is because Cynthia Crawford was a twin who had a completely different blood and tissue type from her twin sister, which is unusual. I mean, if they're identical, yes. Is it possible they're fraternal twins? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like this, no, this is actually like generally an unusual occurrence that you would have a completely different blood and tissue type than your twin sister. I guess. Mm-hmm. And this was apparently because her father was part of a top secret government agency that created her using DNA from two different alien races combined with human DNA. Mm. This is some X-Files shit. Which races? Did they say? He does not say, no. Cynthia talks about having been through all kinds of government tests. She's been abducted. She's had organ replacements. She's basically... She hired this Dr. Howe lady because she believed Stardust Ranch was being attacked by renegade gray aliens, and she has an interest in studying aliens. But really, they're not attacking anything other than the cattle mutilations. Like, other than that, there's no violence happening. Well, maybe as I keep going, this will explain it a little more to you. Okay. So Dr. Howe was apparently spoken to telepathically by these aliens. She could feel vibrations and she was like convinced that the aliens were drawn to Stardust Ranch because of its different vibrations. I don't I I don't know what that means. Yes, that literally could mean anything. So she walks around the house. She's like getting the vibes of the house. And she was able to free the house of the spirit of the boy who killed himself there 15 years earlier. Do you remember like when he was researching the house, he discovered that there was a high school kid who killed himself oh, the day yeah, before that, graduation? That's right. I thought, I thought that was just pulled out of nowhere. Like she yeah, just no, said apparently, no. Okay, a, I do remember apparently that. he's been hanging out in the house and he's the reason that all like the vibes in the house are all angry and sad. And so now the house is like lightened up because that kid moved on. So when this spiritualist is saying vibrations, she means more of like a spiritual energy. Yeah. Like chakra type thing rather than like vibrations due to like a dimensional rift or something. Yes. From what I get. But he does. Well, he does not go into that sort of detail. He just says vibrations. So whatever that means. I'm just getting the vibe. Right. So she was also able to open a portal in his house to allow aliens to send a hologram to speak to them. And these aliens appeared in a gold ball and they were wearing breastplates and armor and carrying swords. One was an Andromedan and one was a reptilian. He mentions the significance of swords throughout the galaxy as symbols of honor and truth. And these aliens spoke about the portal on Stardust Ranch. Apparently, according to the aliens themselves, this portal was placed there 8,000 years ago and is directly connected to Egypt, which was, at the time, a lot more advanced than humans currently know. It's the portal itself is translucent in this dimension, which is why humans can't see it. But apparently the beings he's seen coming out of it have been ancient Egyptians, Roman centurions, times not linear. So like somehow they ended up like stumbling through this portal onto his ranch. These aliens said that humans are 
thousands of years behind on cultural development, and by now, we should have learned to communicate with plants and animals. And we're holding ourselves back with our possessions and need for material things, which, okay. I mean, sure. it is it is interesting because this is a trope that comes up in other alien abduction stories. Yeah, if you remember yeah. a long, like a year ago when we did our Space Brains episode, yep. they also mention you know, giving up material things for and, the good and of humanity. And we're too violent. And, yep, same with Injured Cold, the yeah. Smiling Man. They also talk about that. So clearly aliens are very concerned with the moral state of Earth. I, I do have to say all of this sounds like really bad Star Wars fan fiction. Yes, it totally does. So in addition, the aliens say that they use Earth as a tool. So they grow things here. And then they transport it out to other planets. And they're only concerned with Earth because it's useful. Humans. Wait, so even the, if you, even if there are living beings here, they're not going to care otherwise. So that's yeah. a contradiction. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just throw that out there, too. Mm -hmm. Well, humans have apparently been transplanted on hundreds of thousands of other planets. Like, Earth isn't the only place we exist. Okay. They took us and they moved us all around. And, like, those planets with humans are far more advanced. It's us on Earth. We're, we're thousands of years behind. It's just something in the air, man. Mm -hmm. And this, according to John Edmonds, is why the Hopi creation story has people walking through a portal onto Earth instead of like a general God's created people sort of story. Again, sure. I don't know if that's true. I don't know anything about Hopi mythology. Yeah, I don't want to say it's specific to any particular nation or culture in general but i do know that shitty history channel documentaries have made the same claims right so when dr howe and john are done talking to the aliens and being told about the meaning of life and how to fix all of earth's problems dr howe has a confrontation with rogue grays so apparently like all of these other aliens are, like, in harmony, and there's this weird, like, sect of gray aliens that's like, we do our own shit, and this is our portal. It's almost like there's a galactic federation, and then there's almost. some separatists or something, maybe, that go rogue. Maybe. Sounds familiar. But Dr. Howe has a confrontation with them. She's, like, standing in the yard of the ranch, like, screaming to the sky, negotiating with them like you guys need to get out of here leave and then there was a big purple bolt of lightning that left a scorched circle on the ground and then dr howe left without saying anything and reported later that she was visited by the men in black after that mm -hmm. she claimed that this experience of getting hit by lightning was actually an initiation and she developed new ways of perceiving reality According to John, all humans are interdimensional, and we travel to astral planes when we dream. Because she was actually hit by the lightning, she started bleeding through her nose and mouth, which is common for people who are struck by lightning. I would imagine. <laughs> Doctors did not believe her story, so she went home and she healed herself with crystals. Mm -hmm. So make of that what you will. Mm. So, again, we go from, like, Alien activity of the first half of the book to spiritual awakenings and crystal healings. So it's like a weird dichotomy. I A lot of the book seems to be spent trying to justify his experiences. So like, stop. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess I kind of get what he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, the it introduction makes... of like climate change and Nazis it seems unneeded. Right. It makes it way, way less credible. Like, just tell us the events that happened. And, I mean, and obviously, some, specula yeah, too, some yeah. speculation is fine. But, like, he spends chapters and chapters saying, like, one scientist said this one time. And if you read the Bible, Jesus said this one time. And that proves why aliens exist. And the Quran also says this. And this professor wrote a similar book saying this. But it's all like peripheral to his experience. None of it actually pertains to him. 
He's just finding other people's bits of research and trying to make it fit into his story. Yeah, I guess it's just trying to contextualize, but just not doing it well. Yes, and he's explaining things through conspiracy. He's not trying to find... Like, I feel like if I was in this situation, I would... My first thing would be to attempt to disprove what's happening as much as possible. To, like, find a terrestrial reason for all of this to happen. And only when you've ruled out literally everything else, then can you get into the weird crazy shit. But he doesn't even attempt that. He goes straight into alien activity. Right. Granted, he's seen the Michelin man walking around his property, so, like... I was not expecting that. Not For sure. All in all, he spends a lot of time trying to discredit other people's ideas... Or explain what happens using other people's ideas, but he doesn't provide any research or proof of his own. We just get his firsthand account. He's a rancher. Right. It's almost like he should have hired someone to write this book for him. Well, there was somebody that co-wrote it with him. Oh, I didn't help. Yeah, no. <laughs> so the second half of the book, as I said, it's bizarre. He starts it with his experiences, which align with the normal extraterrestrial stuff. Then it moves into like raising love vibrations and karmic alien reform schools. And I, I, okay, here, here's the thing. Uh, of course, most people are going to think this is kind of batshit insane. But at the same time, I don't want to like discredit people that actually no. don't believe in this stuff. No, I don't I, either. I, it just seems very irrelevant. I think what I'm having trouble with is the weird juxtaposition between the events that happen and right. then his lack of I don't, lack of proof, but lack of connecting providing it. his own research. Well, and it, connecting it. I mean, right. it kind of connects loosely, but like does it? I don't know. Right. I don't know. He uses like religions and histories that he's not a part of. Like he does not know necessarily to explain some of his theories. Like, uh, for example, he talks about the concept of alien walk ins, meaning like aliens being able to inhabit, co inhabit a body with someone. And okay. he says that Tibetan B Buddhists have had this concept in their culture for centuries. But he does not explain that any further. He doesn't give any documentation or research, and he doesn't give us any reasoning as to why we should consider him any kind of authority on Tibetan Buddhism right. belief structures. Sure. So it's just, he's like name dropping. Yeah, yeah. Um, he gives a lot of advice about giving up material things and transcending our current reality. Um, apparently, the last great human civilization was Atlantis, which had amazing technology, but, like, they were destroyed by a different alien race. And I, there, I thought Egypt was. Didn't you say that earlier? We're all over the place, man. I yes. Time is a circle. The rest of the book is just, like, life advice and how we need to be better people. But uh, we are we, not ruining the, the climate. And he's still living on the ranch today. I, I will say that is some good advice. Be nice to yeah. everyone. That's fine. Um, you should sell the ranch, though. <laughs> he needs to move, like, move, I think. Go back into the city. Go back to Phoenix. Or just, like, buy a, buy a ranch in Australia. Yeah. Get far away from the portal and just do your ranch business. Why don't you barter with Robert Bigelow? He's lowballing you on purpose. Yeah. Why don't you trade? You should trade for Skinwalker. No, because he'll ruin Skinwalker. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my final note is that John and Joyce, even though I have made it seem like they are the only ones really who have experienced all of this, with the exception of that neighbor, mm -hmm. they're not the only people who have experienced odd things at Stardust Ranch. John is the only one who's experienced things to this extent. But they've had people stay over. Um, there have been TV show crews that have come and experienced weird things. There have been psychics. And all of them can verify that they've experienced similar things. Sure. Um, but again, you know, whether or not you believe any of this is totally up to you. Some of it can be like, quote unquote, plausible. But then the second half just lost me. I, I, I will say when it comes to aliens, I am I am open to fourth dimensional or higher dimensional beings. Yeah. I think that does make sense yeah. as a possibility. I, I apologize. The first episode was more of like 
about Stardust Ranch, and the second episode was a bit more of like a book report about, about his book. Um, and but, I, I mean, and I, we definitely were like bashing a little bit, but at the same time, it is very interesting because like there were a lot of things that were very unique to this story. But also things that align with several other alien yeah, encounters. And, and very similar uh, occurrences at Skinwalker Ranch, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just weird that it's both ranch branches around the same time period yeah i just i do believe that bizarre stuff happened slash happens on the ranch i don't i don't know if i know about the michelin man the michelin man saying roman centurions (laughs) there's no way he decapitated a gray with the samurai sword i grays would not let that happen picture of the blood as proof john john i know you're listening Please send us pictures. Yeah, I you just gotta have the pictures. I want to believe. I'm gonna go back to my Fox Mulder roots. I want to believe. Yeah. It's just you I, could, I want to believe too. You just kind of sound like a douchebag. It's yeah. It's just it got too um, fluffy for me at the end. I want. I want proof. A little political too. Yeah, I've never experienced love vibrations. Send us the tapes. Upload the videos. Yeah. Show us your. Send us the documents. Yeah, show us everything. Anyways, that's Stardust Ranch. It's totally bizarre. Feel free to email us or send us messages what you think. <laughs> I would like, I honestly, if you have like backup, like research that can back him up or like personal knowledge or experiences, I would love to hear it because I clearly, as you can tell, was sort of biased against him in the second half of the book. He started out strong and then he lost me. But like, I do believe that some weird shit has happened and he's not the only person who's experienced it. So I don't want to discredit his entire experience. It's hard to not have bias against something that is obviously having an agenda behind it. Right. And I mean, he wrote this book. Right. He wants to sell copies of the book. And we're doing this scientific method by trying to disprove him. Yeah. Which is what he did not do. (laughs) Um, But since we did say it, if you do want to send us anything, whether it's related to Stardust Ranch or even Skinwalker Ranch, or if it's anything else, send it. Uh, Let's just do it now. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all our at NerdSloth HQ. Or email us at podcast at NerdSloth.com. I love to read. Whatever you guys send. I have a couple news stories. Kega. First one is very related to our current topic of Stardust Ranch. Okay. Triangular UFO with cloaking abilities returns to Earth on New Year's Eve. Ah. So a man claims to have seen a triangular UFO with cloaking abilities on New Year's Eve. It's literally the fucking title. (laughs) Why do they do that? Why do they do that? So, it's a sighting that is eerily similar to one made in Britain just a few months ago. UFO enthusiast Vault Team 6 managed to capture a video of the mysterious object flying over Columbus, Ohio, and it shows three lights floating in a triangular shape. The clip is very similar to a video captured by a doorbell camera in Britain in November, as Matt Dowdy, 43, was baffled by a strange triangular object gliding over his house in St. Albans, Hertfordshire. The new sighting, which has been shared on Reddit, left the witness shocked as the light suddenly disappeared, leaving him to think that the UFO has ability to make itself invisible. Mm. Um, there is a link, to, at least on this article that I'm reading, which is from The Mirror, which you know everyone loves, um... There is a link to the original video from the doorbell footage in, uh, I think they said it was November. It is kind of cool. So maybe we'll post that. I have seen other videos of like the triangular light lights pattern. So it's, yeah, we, we, let's try and post this. Uh, Hopefully we'll remember. Um, But yeah, I just thought that was interesting because it was related to like the UFO stuff we've been talking about. But I have one more story. Mm -hmm. This one's unrelated. Okay, cool. Palette cleanser. Residents, actually, I don't even want to say the title because I know it's going to just say it in the first sentence. (laughs) Residents of a small town in Wales have been terrified by a quite unusual culprit after a squirrel went on a two-day rampage that left some people afraid to leave their homes. Oh man, fuck squirrels, though. A tiny squirrel. This might sound like a funny story, but it's actually got quite a dark undertone because the furry fighter 
has been indiscriminately attacking older people, children, and pets in the gardens of Buckley, North Wales. Dozens of people have received cuts on their hands and heads after they were bitten during vicious attacks by the psycho squirrel. Man, I assume they're all like being forced into rabies shots after this. Probably. So apparently the creature has been launching itself at people with frightening speed as they left their houses and even started to chase people down the street. 18 people have been attacked over the course of two days and 21 in total have been attacked since the 23rd of December. What's its deal? We'll have a theory in a second. Okay. So in the end, the squirrel's reign of terror was brought to an end. That's a terrible writing. In the end, it was brought to an end uh, <laughs> when it was caught in a humane trap by a 65-year-old resident. So the person that caught the squirrel, and I'm just summarizing this not because I'm sick of this article. <laughs> okay. Um, the person that caught the squirrel has been feeding the squirrel at her home, like uh... giving it food. And I think she stopped for whatever reason. And it just got pissed. It got pissed and started attacking people. This article also does have like pictures of the injuries. Oh, the injuries. And the squirrel. And the squirrel too. (laughs) Um, But like, I mean, some of them are very like benign, like whatever, like a little scrape. But like some like like small bites of flesh of it. Oh God, that would horrify me. You're especially anti-rodent. Yeah, for whatever reason, squirrels bother me less, though. And I think it's because their tails are fluffy rather than like a little <laughs> tiny gross worm. Yuck. Um, but yeah, that's fun. Yeah. So be <laughs> um, careful. Be careful out there, don't, folks. Don't feed animals. Those of, those... Like, don't feed wild animals. I don't know if we have any listeners in Wales. If we do. We do. Send us well, a Wait, message. no, Scotland. Sorry. Yeah, Scotland. That's badass. Hey, Johnny. But if you are from Wales, let us know. Yeah. Be awesome. If you're aware of this happening firsthand. Yeah, if you cool. got attacked, would love to hear it. Um, so, yeah, if you have any stories that you also come across and want us to read, you can also send those to us, too. Uh, but next week, I will have a story for you. But also, very soon, we are dropping our new podcast, The Norse Woods Podcast. So if you're interested in learning more about Norse mythology, maybe even a little bit about Norse uh, paganism or magic use in general definitely tune in yeah it's it's a process getting her set up but should be she's very almost soon, ready very soon yeah all right well all we'll right. catch you next week yeah thanks for listening to our ramblings about stardust ranch and uh we love you bye love you bye bye Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.